Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to Carving It Up Live right here on Facebook Live, YouTube, and on Twitter. We are presented by The Grid. I am Bryson Carver, and boy, do we have a show for you tonight. Obviously, I'm going to get into that game last night in terms of how it affects Baker Mayfield after a stunning but yet remarkable comeback against the Las Vegas Raiders and a further indictment into Josh McDaniels. Going to lead the show off with that in just a second. But about 15 minutes, uh, Barry Grant Jr. is going to be joining the show. Look forward to having him on. He's got a uh, he's got a bet to pay. Let's put it that way. Uh, again, we're, we're working on trying to get that uh, the, the link to him to be on the stream right now as we speak. But looking forward to have him on in about 15 minutes. Uh, and at the end of today's show, of course, Week 14 NFL predictions. Upset of the week. If I were a betting man, which I feel great about this week, by the way. and Bryson's Bleak Bet, which this week's Bryson's Bleak Bet is going to be one of the more shocking uh, that we've had to this point. So definitely do not want to miss that. But first, I got to start with Baker Mayfield. I got to do it. Because Baker Mayfield, who has been a Ram for two days leading up to that game, uh, led what was one of the more stunning comebacks of the NFL season. Now, albeit it was against a team, the Las Vegas Raiders, that uh, safe to say is kind of notorious for blowing these type of leads, which I'll get into later in the segment. But to put yourself in a position in terms of to be released by the Carolina Panthers, to be claimed off waivers by the only team that even put a bid in for you, that being the Los Angeles Rams, who are in quarterback purgatory right now with Matthew Stafford out. John Wolford at quarterback, who started last week against the Seattle Seahawks, did a solid job. Okay, I, I can't hate him the job that he did. He was, he, he was fine. Put him in position to win the football game. But uh, you come off waivers. You've played awful this season. You are last in just about every quarterback stat. Yards, touchdowns, QBR, everything. And yet and still... You're inserted into an offense that has no Cooper Cup. Obviously from last year, no Odell Beckham Jr. Tyler Higbee is hurt. 
Your running game, Cam Akers, he did obviously rush for a touchdown towards the end that cut it to a six-point game. But And I referred to it last night. The fumbleitis is still an issue for him. But with that being said, when you talk about having all odds against you, and folks out there know, I am no Baker Mayfield fan. Matter of fact, I'm quite the opposite. I've been highly critical of Baker Mayfield on this show. I think talent-wise, he's extremely limited. I think in terms of leadership and tangibles, how he conducts himself in the locker room and on the podium leaves a lot to be desired. I felt like at this stage of his career, he was a backup quarterback. But for last night, he was remarkable in the fourth quarter. Again, he's been on the team for two days going into last night. Had to learn an NFL playbook. They had to narrow down the offense because there's only so many plays that the guy can memorize in 48 hours. And yet and still, Baker Mayfield last night against the Las Vegas Raiders. I get it's a beat-up defense, but let's be real. Rams' offensive line is bad. His best receiver was Skoranek. He's not Cooper Cup. And Tutu Atwell. They had to run some reverses with him just to get him the ball, right? Last night, Baker Mayfield. 22 for 35, 230 yards, one touchdown, no turnovers, QBR of 59 and a pass rating of 91. Coming off of not being a Ram up until Tuesday, that is highly impressive. And the game-winning drive at the end. When that Cole kid, the punter, down that near the uh, near the one-yard line, down it at the two, I think. I'm like, this game's over. There's a minute 48 left in the game. You're telling me that Baker Mayfield is going to go 98 yards with no timeouts in less than two minutes. And that is exactly what he did, and he actually left time on the clock. It was remarkable. Obviously, through the game when he touched down pass late in the game, it was a remarkable throw right over the top. Again, I, why the Raiders are going man-to-man coverage in that situation when the only thing that, that that is you know playing against you is the deep ball or the Rams getting out of bounds. Play the sidelines. Remember, we saw the 49ers do this against the Cowboys in the playoffs, and they won the game because of it, right? Because eventually Dallas couldn't help themselves. They eventually ran a quarterback draw with Dak, got tackled in bounds, clock ran out, game over. Why are the Ram? Or I'm sorry, the Raiders not doing that is is is, is unknown to me. But given the circumstances, given the fact that this guy was essentially kicked to the curb by the Carolina Panthers, that drive and that game and that fourth quarter performance saved Baker Mayfield's career. Because we know high-profile backup is not something that NFL teams are jumping to sign. That's why we've seen Cam Newton in the last few years struggle to find uh, a team in the NFL. We've seen certain other quarterbacks. Uh, this is why that, and he was, he was not very talented, but this is why Tim Tebow only stuck around for so long in the NFL. A lot of teams were obviously very hesitant and still are to sign Colin Kaepernick. At this point, I think it's too late. Baker Mayfield, I think, goes in that group. That's why Johnny Manziel's career was over two years in. Baker Mayfield's in the position now that he doesn't play well in his third destination. Given the controversy and the attention that he draws to the NFL, it, and to negative attention that he draws to his team, I'm not sure how much longer he's going to hang around. So given the circumstances, what a performance. I mean, I, I could not help myself. Again, I'm a Baker critic. 
But I couldn't help myself when he threw the game-winning touchdown pass and just smile. I couldn't help it. I'm like, I mean, this is this is why we love the NFL. A guy on Monday is a Panther. On Tuesday, he's a Ram. On Thursday, he wins a game for the, for the Rams with a 98-yard touchdown drive in less than two minutes without a timeout. It was remarkable. And obviously, got the game ball after the game. Sean McVay uh, aptly named him the starter for next week. And uh, against the Green Bay Packers, that has all of a sudden become, you know, that, that's a game on the schedule that the NFL put out there. Rams-Packers. It's like, oh, here we go. This is two Super Bowl contenders. It's the defending champs. It's last year's number one seed, Lambeau Field. Late season game. Well, it's not as interesting as we thought it'd be. However, I got to watch it. Because it's Baker's first start with the Rams. Now the expectations have been lifted up just a little bit. And Green Bay is on a bye week this week. And so, but they're sitting there at five and eight. They still have an outside shot to get in the playoffs. If they went out and get some help, you know, Green Bay's still alive. A lot of storylines going on in that game that I we're gonna be paying attention to on this show for the next week and a half. Gotta see it. Can't wait to see it. Must see TV on ESPN Monday Night Football a couple of Mondays from now on December 19th. But I do want to shift, though, to the Las Vegas Raiders. Um, <laughs> the Las Vegas Raiders have turned into the Atlanta Falcons from 2016 on. Almost. Where it's got a very talented quarterback who's a good leader, right? Most Sundays are productive. Derek Carr, and, and Derek Carr's a guy I love. I love Derek Carr. I said last year, if I had an MVP vote, he would have finished third behind Brady and Rodgers. He was that good and that important to that organization given the turmoil that they went through last year. But last year, let's, let's, not, let's keep in mind that Rich Passaccia was their interim head coach and had them in position, making the playoffs, and they gave the eventual AFC champ Bengals on the road a fight. Never forget, Vegas had a fourth and goal with a chance to tie the game late in that football game. And, of course, they, they weren't able to convert. And, again, Derek Carr did not play well last night. I think he only threw for, like, 137 yards. Uh, let me check Derek's numbers. Like, 137, I think it was. Yep, 11 for 20, so barely over 50% completion percentage. Two picks, one awful interception in the red zone. It looked like the Raiders were had the, a stranglehold on the game. He had a pass rating of 36 and a QBR of 39. So, D.C. didn't play well. Um Devontae Adams made a couple of big plays, you know, obviously the one-handed catch early in the game and then the over-the-shoulder catch later in the first half, and that was about all he did. Um, <laughs> I don't know what evidence, how much more evidence that we need to say Josh McDaniels is not a head coach in the NFL. I don't know how much more we need. Folks, this season, the Las Vegas Raiders have eight losses, right? Think about some of their losses. Week two against the Arizona Cardinals. They had a 23-7 lead. They lost the game in overtime. Obviously, we all remember the play. Hunter Renfro makes the catch, gets stripped, it gets re recovered, and returned for a game-winning touchdown. All right? A few weeks later, against the Kansas City Chiefs, they have a 17-0 lead. They lose by one. In matter of fact, in a position where they score what looks like the tying touchdown, but again, got to, got you know, it's the extra point or go for two. They they opt to go for two in the lead. They don't get it. They lose by one. Now, some of that in the Raiders' defense, that's what Patrick Mahomes does. If I've always said, there's no quarterback in the history of the NFL with respect to the great Tom Brady 
there's no quarterback in the history of the NFL that I want on my team when trailing by double digits because of how quick he can close the deficit. So some of that's Mahomes, but they have a 17-0 lead. So you say, well, some of that's Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, well, three weeks later, they had that exact same lead against the Jacksonville Jaguars. We think Jacksonville's as good as Kansas City. We think that. They lost. A week after that, at home, they face the Indianapolis Colts in the first game coached by Jeff Saturday. Jeff Saturday's previous game as a head coach at any level was a loss in high school. And Vegas lost the game to the Jeff Saturday-led Colts who have not won since. And then last night, they lose to a team with a quarterback who we all agree at this point. I think I would say we all agree. Some are higher in Baker than I am, but we don't agree is a best-case scenario, a below-average starter. Best-case scenario. He's been with the team for two days. They lost the game when leading 16-3 to with all of three minutes to go. Josh McDaniel's inability to make adjustments, to have his team in position to close the game, is the reason the Raiders sit here at 5-8. and eight. We can blame Derek Carr, who didn't play well last night, and has had some stinkers this season. Look at the game where they got shut out against the Saints. I'll give you that. Okay? But Josh Jacobs is at the best year of his career. Devontae Adams is doing Devontae Adams things. He's got double-digit touchdowns, well over 1,000 yards. He's doing his thing again. He's still arguably the best receiver in football. We can argue that Darren Waller is, you know, has, has had injury issues. Well, that's always been the case, and that was the case last year. Raiders still won games without him. The defense that wasn't good last year extended Max Crosby, who we saw had a great night. I think he had two sacks. And then added Chandler Jones. We knew the back end wasn't good. It wasn't good last year. They won 10 games and got to the postseason. Who's the difference? I'm not sitting here, uh, sitting up here and saying that Rich Bisaccia is Kyle Shanahan, because he's not. But he had a better feel for the locker room. He did a better job of having his guys ready to play, not just the first half, but making the proper adjustments in the second half. And it goes back to my theory that I had this season, and we've seen a lot of examples of it, that we need to be really careful from here on out about hiring offensive coordinators who have Hall of Fame quarterbacks. Nathaniel Hackett with the Packers. How, how's he looking in Denver? Josh McDaniels, who had Tom Brady for 18 years combined, his first and second stint as the Patriots OC. By the way, in between those stints, he was a disaster in Denver. His, his first overall draft pick of his NFL head coaching career was Tim Tebow. How's he looking in Vegas with a very talented roster? Okay, how's, what's his name? Uh, how did Adam Gase look in the NFL? Had the great Peyton Manning. Hasn't panned out at all. I'm not saying every offensive coordinator of a great player can't work as a head coach in this league. But I'm going to be far more hesitant to hire those guys than I am a guy who has a lot of experience in the NFL. I would not hire a guy like Kellen Moore before I would hire a John Fox or a Jim Caldwell. Guys who have been in the NFL, guys who have been to a Super Bowl. I've seen them work. 
Roll with those guys. And I understand there's there's a new wave of head coaches coming in, in the NFL. As, as I understand that. But from here on out, owners need to be very, very careful about hiring an OC who has an all-time great quarterback, a guy we all agree is going to be in the Hall of Fame one day as a head coach. Josh McDaniels, there's a lot of blame to go around. It's, ne- it's never only on one guy. It's a team sport, coaches, players, organization. It's a team game. But number one on the blame list, without a question, is Josh McDaniels. To lose that game the way that they did and who they lost to, and again, credit to Baker Mayfield. Credit to Baker Mayfield, given the, the short time he's been a Ram and what he, what he did last night. You cannot lose that game, especially with your playoff hopes running the line because had the Raiders won, they're 6-7. and seven. That's exactly where they were last year, and it's a great morale boost for the team. Four-game winning streak. They were 6-7 and seven last year. Josh McDaniels, number one on the blame list, without a question. Um, and there's a lot of great NFL games this weekend, by the way. Week 14, which I will, uh, which I will predict later in the show. But uh, I've been looking forward to this for a minute. I'm not going to lie to you guys. So earlier this year, I made a bet with my friend Barry Grant Jr. of the All Even Podcast. Great show, by the way. Please check it out. It's on the grid. And he is a big USC Trojans fan. And by all accounts, USC had a very successful season. Double-digit wins, got to the Pac-12 title game. Caleb Williams is the best quarterback in the country and is going to be the number one pick in a year and a half. Lincoln Riley is a top three coach in college football, without a shadow of a doubt, and has changed the culture of that program. However, by the standards of the bet that I made with Barry, they did not have a successful season because we bet that the whether or not the USC Trojans will make the college football playoff. He said yes, I said no. I, of course, won that. So, the question is, what does the winner of the bet get? What we get is joy and laughter. What we all want in life. Now, how am I going to get this? Well, trust me. You're about to find out. So, joining the show right now is... Barry Grant Jr., of the All Even Podcast. Barry, how are you doing, sir? Not well, Bryce. Not well. Not well. Okay. Well, tell the audience, because I don't want to, I want to hear it from you. Tell the audience what you have to do uh, because you lost this bet. I mean, it's your show. You should be able to, uh, to tell the people. Listen, I'll tell them. Okay. I have to. Speak in a southern accent. <laughs> and it's got to be for about, by the way, about two minutes long. Because for those of you who don't know, uh, obviously, Barry Grant Jr. from Queens, New York. I'm from East Tennessee. We obviously have very different accents. And so we lost, I lost a bet, a Dak Prescott bet earlier this year. I had to do a New York accent. It was terrible. I promise you, Barry, and to the audience that had to listen to that. It is improved. It will hopefully not be used in the near future. But at some point, it will oh, be used. Hear it. It's some, some some way somehow it's 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 coming at some point but not today not today, not today. so uh two minutes on the clock you, you can see the little uh time right there how, how, you know the the 18 minutes 24 seconds right there in the top corner of the show can you see that okay so uh as soon as i finish speaking that is when the timer is going to start so barry what is your reaction to the usc trojans failing to qualify for the college football playoff and tell me in your best southern accent Bryson 
I am in pain. I can tell you right now I'm in pain. My Trojans had a great year. Great year. A lot of good stuff that happened. However, you lose to the Utes. Now, I just want to know, what the heck is a Ute? What is a Ute? We've beaten everybody else in the Pac-12 except for Utah. And what bothers me about this is that I was this close, Bryson. This close. This close. So for me today, it just is very painful. Very, very, very painful. You know, I had to go check my oil in my car today. Um, and the guy asked me why I look so sad. And I said, I lost the bet. I lost the big bet. I got to pay that debt with this bet. <laughs> so, um, yeah, Bryson, you you are the man today. You get Southern Sauce, Barry Grant Jr. on your show. You know, he may make, a, make an appearance every once in a while. But today, Southern Sauce is here. That was highly impressive, sir. I, I have to give you, I'm going to give that a 7 out of 10. That's not bad. That's not bad. That's not bad. That's 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 not bad. Uh, let's let's see. I, I think I just uh, <laughs> I, I I got a I got a text from my mother. She said uh, the only thing missing was a y'all uh, in that in that soliloquy of yours. So uh, listen, but you know you know what? I, I appreciate you. You 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 uh, you manned up. You lost the bet and you, and you took it like a man. You went on the show and and and, and you, you listen you you did your best southern accent I'm, I'm not gonna lie i'm very proud of you sir i'm very proud I'm of you. man of my word bryson yes, you, you know, are i i will embarrass myself for my friends i have no problem there you go there you go so hopefully southern barry grant jr and by the way uh for those out there watching or listening i finished the year two and one versus barry and bets just uh throwing that, <laughs> throwing that out there hope to improve on that record in 2023 i i have to i have to get out of this hole i have to you, you, you need to you're, you're in too deep now yeah, yeah, yeah. You're in too deep now. So, uh, but you're obviously here to talk some sports as well. Um, so, obviously, we're in week 14 of the NFL season. By this point, we know who the pretenders and contenders are for the most part. We know who sucks. We know who's great. Um, let's start with your Dallas Cowboys, um, who sit here at 9-3. and three, Still a, a, a solid shot, possibly, to win the NFC East. Obviously, a lot of it's going to come down to that Christmas Eve battle against the Eagles. Um, your confidence level in the Cowboys, and, and where would you put them among the NFC contenders uh, right now? Honestly, I think you got to put them right there in the top three. Um, you got them with the, uh, you know, you, excuse me, you have the Eagles, um, you have the Cowboys, and I honestly believe that you still have to worry about those 49ers. You know, um, Jimmy Garoppolo went down, but Purdy didn't look too bad. And if they can be able to simplify things in that defense, how they, you know, fly around, the running game, if, if McCaffrey can stay healthy down the stretch, um, that's very important for them because he is a he's a gadget weapon for them um, that can be able to do a lot of things. Uh, you still have Debo Samuel that's a little banged up this season, but if they if he can be able to get relatively healthy towards the end of the season, you know that's that's something that could be a big plus for them. So, and then also too, you got to worry about Tampa. You just do. Yes, you do. Because the thing is, if if the season were to end today, the Cowboys play Tampa. 
So that's not somewhere or even a team. I, I think we'll be home in that game if that were the case. But um, you don't want to play Tom Brady, uh, not in a playoff game. So as good as the Cowboys have played, um, you know, you really have to try to avoid that matchup. So I, I would say they're in the top three, definitely, you know, top five. Obviously, you got Tampa. Um, I don't I don't really know who else you can really put into that bracket. Um, I don't think anybody I, buys into Minnesota. Yeah, I can't even consider Minnesota because they're they're you know they're a good team, but they're just not they're not on the level of everybody else. So um, you know those are those are the top four teams to me. So the Cowboys got a good shot, man. You know they really have to um, you know minimize their turnovers. Obviously, that's asking a lot um, because Mister McCarthy is you know he doesn't have this team well prepared every time. Um, you know this whole obj fiasco this should be over soon um james washington is now practicing so i would love to see what he has because you he can stretch the field a bit sure. so you know if he's healthy he gives them another weapon to be able to kind of you know spread spread the defenses out so um i i, I do give them a, a a really good shot i i really feel that the first game against the eagles um cowboys played okay you know they were very limited at quarterback um, you know, if, if you have a bigger playmaker, if you have some things that, that, that kind of turned the tide because we had some momentum going into that, you know, the, the, the final, I don't know, seven, eight minutes of that game, um, you know, who knows? So I, I don't think that this is going to be a blowout either side. Um, I, I think the Cowboys do have a legit shot though. Yeah. And I, I think honestly, my only issue with Dallas, and there's a lot of questions with, uh, a lot of teams in the NFC. I've talked about this on my show. We pretty much know what we're getting out of the AFC teams. We know who they are. We know what they are, you know, a quarterback and a head coach. NFC is just a bunch of question marks. Uh, San Francisco felt like the safest bets, but now with Jimmy G down, obviously Brock Purdy did play well. And again, I'm I'm not betting against that guy possibly winning a playoff game because of all the playmakers he has around him because he has Kyle Shanahan. The thing with Dallas, it ultimately starts with Mike McCarthy. And we know the last time the last time Dallas played a playoff game, they tied the po their postseason record for penalties. And I have a bad feeling that that's going to come around and bite them uh, down the road. Fair assessment, especially against a team in Tampa Bay who talent wise is not even close to me to Dallas. But uh, you know, in, in terms of situational football, in terms of a guy in Tom Brady who uh, nobody has more experience at playing at this high of a level than he does, um, Dallas better hope that they win the NFC East. Or I. I can confidently say on the show they will be one and done. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 definitely in their best benefit and interest to win the NFC East. Absolutely, no question. Now going to the AFC for a second, because um, I, I, you've talked about him on your show a little bit, but I really want to sort of get your thoughts on on Tua. So I said going into last week's game against the San Francisco 49ers, because a lot of people out there know I'm very I love Tua out of the draft, but over the last few years have been you know a little hesitant on him in terms of how he's compared to his 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 class guys like Burrow guys like Herbert and you know listen he's played well this season he's he's got I think like top five in in pass rating and QBR so he, he's done his thing I think a lot of that credit goes to the weapons around him it might be Daniel's done a solid job as the head coach but for me to buy into him as a franchise quarterback I said I need to see him play well in two of these next three games right it's the best defensive football the 49ers it's his the guy who's drafted right after him, Justin Herbert, on Sunday Night Football, and then it's at Buffalo in freezing cold temperatures. Um, what's sort of your takeaway on on how Tua's played this season, and do you buy into him yet as a true franchise quarterback? Uh, I think he's played 
pretty solid this season, Bryson. Honestly, you know, you you look at his numbers. He's he's had some really really good games, some really standout games. You know, almost throwing for four hundred yards. You know, he, he's he's had some solid games, but there is some question marks there when you do play a fast defense that can be able to kind of rush his rush his progression a little bit. Um, you know, we saw him struggle against the Niners. So, you know, I need to see it maybe a year, one more year or two, just to be on this, to say, okay, you know, he's legit. One year doesn't make you good. It just, it just makes people aware of you now. You have to repeat that and you have to repeat it again so people know that it's just not a fluke. So, you know, as good as he's been, the weapons have been very good this year. Uh, Jalen Waddle is a little banged up, but Tyreek Hill has been uh, as advertised. Yeah. And um... okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry. Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, overplayed by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You know, the defense is not looking too bad as well. You know, the, and, and shouts to Mike McDaniel. He's, he's done a really good job with that team. He's exactly what they needed, I guess. Uh, but when you have a lot of talent, it's it's very easy to kind of manipulate that talent. But in regards to going back to your uh, your question about Tua, I need to see it probably another year or two, honestly. Okay. No, that, that's fair. And, and our guy, our grid teammate, Alfred Parsar Jr. Uh, of the Rocket Fuel Jets podcast, shout out to Alfred. He says, Tua is fortunate to have Hill and Waddle. There's no question, especially when you consider that Waddle isn't his rookie deal. Um, so they're not having to pay him anything right now. You know, possibly two years down the road, that could become you know more of a conversation. Um, but again, sort of in terms of the intangible, I think two is outstanding. I think he's a hard worker. He's a good teammate, very awesome. coachable. Um, and obviously on the field, he's extremely accurate. That's that's his you know number one uh, s- sort of strength on the field. My issue has been, can he play from behind against an elite defense in bad weather in the postseason? Because we'll get to see that this year. Because in all likelihood, Buffalo is going to win that division and Tua is going to have to go on the road. Um, and again, I've always used the Bill Parcells rule of, of grading quarterbacks. Like by year three, if if you're still not quite sure, then you need to move on. Yeah. Well, well two, two has helped his case without a question this year. And so he, he buys himself another year, as you sort of mentioned there. Uh, so we'll see what happens. Now, I did also want to get your thoughts. The MVP race is really interesting right now. Because there's a lot of folks that say, you know, Jalen Hurts, how he's played. He's done a remarkable job with Philadelphia. Um, Patrick Mahomes, uh, who is obviously in the Kansas City Chiefs to possibly, again, the best record in the AFC. Um, And other guys, people mentioned Allen Burrow, who to me in terms of value, most valuable player, however you want to to, to coin it or phrase it, who to me is your favorite? Who do you is your favorite right now? Um, Good. Who, who are you talking about? I, I got distracted upstairs. We, yeah, we yeah, yeah. Uh, MVP. You got Jalen Hurts. You got uh, obviously oh, Patrick yeah. Holmes. I think, I think honestly, I think you have to give Hurts the nod, Bryson. You really do. Um, as good as they've been playing this season. I mean, think about what they looked like last year, right? Think about what he looked like last year. He's made such strides to improve his accuracy, to improve his pocket awareness, to not be so – you know, reliant on his legs all the time to really stand there and deliver the ball. 
he's worked hard. Um, so because they have the best record and because he's played very well, I think you still give him the nod slightly over Pat Mahomes. Now, Mahomes is he's played out of his mind, right? You know, he he's just he is you know, we've had conversations about Patrick Mahomes before where, you know, I I, I would say, well, you know, I don't know if if he's the smartest quarterback, he's the most talented. There's a lot of times that he makes a lot of bonehead decisions because of the talent. I'm not seeing that anymore. And what I've seen is a guy that doesn't have that much real natural talent around him, and he's still making that team great. That's a quarterback. He's now put himself into that Brady, that uh, that 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 uh, Peyton Manning mold that you can be able to you know, build wide receivers. You can create wide receivers. You can build a team. As long as you got that guy and you got some talent on that outside, he'll be able to take you up to another level. So um, it's it's a tight race, but I will slightly, slightly give the nod to Jalen Hurts, and that pains me to say. Sure, sure. As a Cowboys fan, I can imagine. And, and like you said, that the the... the... The improvement from Jalen Hurts from year one to year two, I think, was significant because year one, he was kind of a turnover machine. Last year, played cleaner football, but couldn't really push the ball down the field. Now, with A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith, you know, I don't I can't think of that many quarterbacks that are throwing it uh, deeper at a a better accuracy and a better frequency than Jalen Hurts is. The only reason today that I would favor Mahomes is my case would be a he plays in the tougher conference with the tougher schedule and B Jalen Hurts got A.J. Brown. Patrick Mahomes lost Tyree Kill. Now he gets he's got the best tight end in football, Travis Kelsey. I get that. But you know, we weren't talking about Juju Smith Schuster as a guy he had to game plan for the last few years in Pittsburgh. You know, same with, with Marquez Valdez Scantling, but like they've now become essential parts of the offense. Um, and it's opened up their running game to a certain degree as well. Uh, let's see. We got a few comments from our guy, Alfred. Uh, he says, Hertz also didn't have A.J. Brown last year. Uh, huge difference, Barry. Uh, and he says, outside of Kelsey, Mahomes doesn't have surefire weapons, and they're still winning. That, that's sort of the case I'm making. But um, I, I do think A.J. Brown is having a career in, you know, in large part because of the play of Jalen Hurts. And, um, but right, it, they're, they're both have been remarkable this season. They're helping each other. Like, you know what I mean? Like, A.J. Brown was, was in Tennessee with a – you know, average quarterback and, you know, often injured, yes, but the talent was already there, was always there, but we couldn't see it put together consistently all the time. If this guy stays healthy and Jalen Hurts and now this partnership is, is going to flourish, then they're going to they're gonna help each other. So that helps Jalen Hurts' case, honestly. It doesn't hurt him. Oh, absolutely. I, I totally agree with you. Now, before I, because I, I want to get your thoughts on MLB free agency, because it's been a madhouse so far and certainly very beneficial for your New York Mets. So I know, yeah, I, was, I knew I saw you wear the hat. I, I figured you had the t-shirt. You're, you're, you're a happy Mets fan today, and we'll get into that in just a second. But I do want to ask you last NFL question, and I, I usually ask my guests this late in the season. Who to you, if you had to pick the Super Bowl today, who is going to represent the AFC in the, or the NFC in Super Bowl 57 in Glendale, Arizona? today want to hear my honest opinion honest opinion so we do here Bengals Cowboys really I I don't think anybody wants to play the Bengals right now honestly uh, no 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 I'm Joe, with you what I'm seeing out of Joe Burrow he's scary like you know a lot of people you know you want to talk about your Mahomes and your Hurts and your Brady's that that's fine your Herberts that boy Justin uh, uh, Joe Burrow is a problem problem so I can see them making another run, 
it's all matchups, right? If they yes. get a, if they get the right matchup, obviously they're going to be on the road the whole time. But um, you know, we'll see. We'll we'll, we'll see what happens, man. We'll see what happens. But I I, I like I like Bengals Cowboys, man. So 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 you so you're saying that uh that Dak Prescott is going to outduel Tom Brady to get to the Super Bowl. That that is not an opinion that I thought would, would come from you. I think the defense is going to outdo. Oh, that's what it is. Super Bowl, yeah. That's what it is. Okay. We'll we'll Dak shade there, of course. Of course, <laughs> as always, as always. All right, so to MLB free agency, which of course has made you very happy so far. Um, and our guy, Alfred Parso Jr., by the way, he is also a Mets fan. Um, after, of course, a disappointing finish to the year in the wild card round against San Diego, uh, <laughs> Mr. Cohen has rebounded big time in the offseason. So talk about, from a, from a Mets perspective, in terms of obviously adding Justin Verlander, uh, being able to bring in a guy like David Robinson as a, a, a huge reliever. Talk about the job that the Mets have done in free agency thus far. I think we've done outside of what the Padres have done. Um, I think the Mets are the winners of the, the winter meetings for so far, and they're not done. Um, when you can be able to add a, a Jose Quintana, you can be able to add Robertson, you can be able to make a trade for Brooks Raley. Um, there's so many things that they've done, such quiet moves. And that's why I kind of respect Billy Epler is that I call him a shark. Because you don't know where he's going to come from, but then he'll strike. Like he's he has a he has a fantastic poker face. When thing when you don't think that things are gonna happen, trade happens. You know, Brooks Raley came out of nowhere. I was just like, okay, this guy's solid. Um, but you know, they still need to they still need to get some bats. Like getting Nimmo back was a priority, right? Everybody's mm-hmm. talking about that it's an overpay, but honestly. When you look at the deal, it's eight years, $162 million. That's the market. The market has exploded in regards to free agency. And he's not getting $30 million a year. He's not getting $25 million a year. He's getting 20. So that's not that much. You know, you, you have uh, Cody Bellinger that got 17 for one year. Um, it's it's not that terrible to me. Um, you know, they're still in on uh, uh, Kodai Senga, uh, the Japanese pitcher. So if they get him, that's going to be a tremendous addition. Um, but they do they do need another bat, though. They need another bat or two. Definitely have to shore up the, um, the, the DH spot. But for what I'm hearing, they may give the kids the shot. Brett Beatty, Alvarez, Vientos. So we'll, we'll see about that. But I, I would still like for them to add another bat. Y'all are more than like are more than uh, welcome to take JD Martinez. I'll, I'll just tell you that right listen, now. I'll, I'll take him, and he can he can split with Vogie. I'll take sure, him. sure, sure, no question. Now uh, again, there's obviously been moves elsewhere. The the one that just shattered my heart into a, a trillion pieces, Shan- Xander Bogarts to the Padres and the Red Sox, as we talked about, uh, really lowballed him on that offer especially considering what, what San Diego offered him obviously got uh, 11 years, and I think it was a 280 million. I think it was for Xander Wait, Bogart. Yeah. You, yeah. You know so about that deal, Bryce, I don't mean to cut you off, but yeah, sure. The, your management, you guys just spent like how much billions to, to buy a team. You bought the Pittsburgh Penguins, right? All of this money you're spending, but you have no money to spend on your guy on your own guys. So, you know, we're hearing about Devers. You can't yeah. lose him. Obviously, you're going to have to overpay for him now, right? Absolutely. It just doesn't make sense to me. So I, I want to know the rationale of lowballing 
Bogarts, right? I, I, I don't get it. I, I really don't get it. I don't understand the only thing that could soften the blow just a little bit is if they were to go get a Carlos Correa, um, right. Dansby Swanson. I, I Honestly, I, I'd be shocked if he doesn't come back to Atlanta. Are you hearing anything in regards to whether he could go elsewhere? Yeah, I've, heard, I've heard that uh, Atlanta, there's a rumor out there that they um, they offered him a deal, uh, like six years, maybe like $110 million, not something that's like super – with the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Super on the on the up, but um, it's a decent contract for him. It depends on what his market is. I, I don't know what his real market is. So, you know, his market may kind of take a little to take a little while to kind of, uh, you know, mature and see what it is. But I mean, Dansby Swanson is, is he's solid. He, he showed some power this year. So, you know, he's not just a great defender. If he can be able to show that type of pop where he can hit 20, 20 plus home runs a season. Which he did last year, by the way. Exactly. So, you know, that and that's something that he he didn't show previous years. So if he can continue to do that, then his value definitely goes up. So, yeah, I think I think that's kind of hurting his value a little bit in regards to what teams think he actually is. So maybe a team can be able to get him on the cheap and then he'll be able to produce you know, way over that contract. So we'll see. Absolutely. We got a few comments before I get to my last uh, baseball question. Uh, Alfred, back to our, your Super Bowl picks and make him put a wager on it. Now, what we're going to do, Alfred, is probably come Super Bowl time once we have the two teams set in stone. If me and Barry disagree with the pick, we'll, we'll, we'll probably do a little something. Right. Uh, I don't know if it may or may not involve accents. It may involve something else. We'll, we'll, we'll see what happens. Uh, Alfred, though, is not sold on, on some of the uh, Japanese pitchers. He said, I wouldn't throw a big bag talking about Senga. Uh, they can't all be Shohei. Well, I don't think the expectation is to be Shohei. Obviously, he is the, without a question, the best overall player in, in Major League Baseball, I think, by a, a pretty decent margin. Uh, just, yeah. Get, no, no, get it, Bryson. Just, just, just with the impact that he brings, uh, obviously, as, as a pitcher and, and, you know, a guy who can hit 30 bombs a year, something possibly 40. Um, all you need, adding that third arm to the rotation behind a guy like Verlander and a guy like Scherzer, you know, two guys who have an injury history, obviously, are getting up there in age. Uh, is would be massive for the Mets. Yeah, the thing is, you know, that that's what I think uh, Alfred doesn't really realize about what's going on with Senga is that he throws 100. He um, He's 30 years old, so he still has a lot of maturing to do in regards to being a pitcher. Um, the Mets staff with, with, with Hef, uh, he's definitely done a great job with the staff, especially last year, you know, developing the young arms and stuff like that. So, I think if Senga comes here, there's no pressure on him to be the savior. He's just coming in here to be an innings eater. He throws 100. If he can be able to, you know, find out, find a way to throw another pitch, you know, th then that then that can be a, a, a real special get because, you know, he's he's a special talent. He really is. Yeah. Like he's a little, you know, he has some some wildness to him. But with that type of talent, you have to take a risk on him. And when you're a big market team, like the Mets that's already gone into the 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 Steve Cohen tax, just spend more. It doesn't really matter at this point.
So um, yeah. you know him, you get him, and then you you go into the bidding war that that's going to be for for Shohei. That's a good um, problem to have come next season. Absolutely, hundred percent. Now we got a few comments here. Well, let's see. We got a uh, Alfred's got a response. He says uh, Japanese league. The mound is close to the plate. They play in smaller dimension ballparks, all indoors. MLB is a different landscape. Your response? Well, uh, to be honest with you, all the Japanese pitchers that have come over lately have had a lot of success. You Darvish. Um, you know, we were having a conversation last night, me and Alfred. We were talking about you know um, Masahiro Tanaka. He was great. Yes. For the- so, you know, I'm not worried about the mound being closer. A hundred is a hundred. So, you know, it, it's something that you can be able to mold. It's something that you can be able to to see develop at the major league level. And like I said, you're not – I would rather take a chance on Senga than bring back a Bassett, honestly. Yes, uh, no, I agree. That's just my thing. Like, I would rather take the 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 home run risk than know that a guy that's 34 years old you saw what he you saw what he has. You know, it's 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 one of those things where I, I prefer to to go with the unknown. Sure. And John John says, let's go Jets. He also says, let's go Yankees. So that was gonna be my last question to you. Aaron Judge, nine years, $360 million. It's obviously a massive win for Aaron Judge, considering the fact that he bet on himself and all he did was break the American League record for home runs. But I said on the show yesterday, this doesn't put the Yankees any closer to winning a World Series championship simply because they don't, you know, they, they, the rotation is not reliable in the postseason the, the the bullpen is is very thin um and, and simply put when you have guys who are completely reliant on on the home run ball and a organization that's completely uh uh hindered by analytics and married to analytics i mean there's only so far you can go if you're, you're going to run back into houston into a well-run organization who understands how to put together a, a championship uh level team and then you're going to probably get swept again so what's what's your reaction to the judge deal i i, I listen over the moon happy for the guy. I, I think, you know, he showed everybody that bet on yourself. The betting on yourself is okay. And the thing is, you know, he they lowballed him twice. Yeah. They lowballed him twice. And I and if he did not go to free agency and allowed himself to take that deal, obviously he would have been happy being a Yankee, but he wouldn't have been really happy with the contract. And the San Francisco Giants, the San Diego Padres forced the Yankees' hand and forced Hal's hand to say, okay, uh, Cash, I I don't think that what you're saying, you know, in regards to these analytic things makes sense. We can't lose this guy. So it doesn't matter how much we have to pay. Because a lot of people, I've heard fans, I've heard analysts talk about, oh, the length of the contract is too much. If you win a World Series out of those nine years, what does it matter? Yeah. It doesn't matter. You're not paying for the back end of the deal. You're paying for the years that he's going to be productive from age 32 to about 35, 36. Hopefully, you know, he he may end up slowing down, you know, at those ages. But that's what you're paying for. And if you can be able to capitalize on that four or five year window of the contract and win a World Series, it doesn't really matter. Like you're paying for a guy that is going to be the next captain. The the last two captains were who? Derek Jeter and Don Mattingly. They don't throw around that C often with the Yankees. It's a big deal. The judges' chambers. He's a franchise player. He's the big dog in New York. He's the best player in New York right now since Degrom left. So you there was no way that you had that that you 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 weren't going to retain him. And if the Yankees were to lose him, this then you would have to literally consider blowing it all up. Because yeah. there's nothing else to turn to. 
So it's good that they retain them, but they need a lot of work. They All they did was retain their own player. They haven't added to this team, and they need to add a lot of things. They need to add, like you said, situational hitters, guys that can be able to be at that top of the lineup to be on base guys, be contact hitters, and not just, just bomb guys. You know, that's their problem over the last decade is that that's the way they've been doing things, and it hasn't worked. So, you know, and I was I was completely shocked that Cashman got four years. But, I, did, you know, I was too. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, sort of going back to your your point about situational baseball players, that's – and I was talking about this yesterday. There's no reason whatsoever that the Cleveland Guardians, the youngest team in Major League Baseball, should have pushed this team five games. And it's because, obviously, they have a brilliant manager in Terry Francona, um, obviously great pitching led by Shane Bieber, and, and a lineup that, you know, scrappy, young – but they get on base. That's right. And that's what the Yankees struggled to do mightily, obviously, in the very next series against the Houston Astros, who have great pitching, who have, obviously, you know, great defense. We have a couple of comments here from Alfred. He said, Judge's contracts will be the equivalent of Pujols on the Angels. You pay him that money in the hopes that he produces more early on. And he says, the Yankees' Achilles heels pitching. Cole and Cortez become ghosts in the postseason. 100%. And that's, I've always been critical of, of Garrett Cole. Is he an ace? No question. But is he at the level that I think everybody tries to elevate him to because of the years in Houston and as ever since he's been in, in New York? No, I don't think he is. Well, the thing is, too, is that name five pitchers on your hand right now that are consistently postseason dynamos. You really can't. You really can't. That's fair. That's fair. It's, it's year to year. It's just like a bullpen. One year your bullpen can be lights out with the same unit. The next year they 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 can't find the strike zone. So it's about trusting the guys, see if they can be able to produce, and having a strong pitching staff all together to be able to supplement and help those guys. If you do find your, your starting pitching is struggling, you can turn to your bullpen early. So it really comes down to how good your manager is, and the Yankees really don't have that. Right. So um, – you know they have a lot of issues that they have to that they have to address. You know Carlos Correa is on their is on their radar. He may be able to mask some stuff, but they still have a lot of work to do. Hundred percent. And uh, let's see, we got a comment here from John. John, see, just 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 being mean. That's just mean, John. John, he says, "Where are the Red Sox at? We're 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 at best fourth place in the American League East, and I don't want to talk about it." Okay, did he get? Do you feel like you got to make my day worse? Okay. Uh, if, we, if we retain Xander Bogarts, at least give us an outside shot to maybe claim a wild card spot. Right. Those days are over unless yeah. we uh, unless we do something major in free agency. So I uh, thank you for for that very good reminder, uh, John. John. Uh, he said, Guardi- uh, Alfred says, Guardians were supposed to be a rebuilding team in 2022 and pushed the Yankees. It was unreal. Charlie Morton uh, never pitched in the postseason. He didn't thrive in. That's fair. No, obviously, remember uh, that run with, with Houston, obviously the, the the trash can Astros as we look at, back the, at them now. Um, and sort of my thing with, with uh, Garrett Cole is you talked about consist- consistency. It's a year-to-year thing. He consistently underperforms. Like it's almost like what we saw with Kershaw for a long time up until 2020 uh, where – you know, obviously puts up great regular season numbers, a sub three ERA, a lot of strikeouts, but you know, you're, you're concerned about whether or not he can get outs against the best lineups uh, in October. So again, we'll, we'll have to see how it plays out for the Yankees uh, moving forward. A uh, couple of basketball questions. So uh, your Lakers in, a, in an interesting spot right now. So they got off to obviously a terrible start, two and 10. Um, you move Russell Westbrook to the bench and, and Anthony Davis up until he left the Cavs game with flu-like symptoms was playing arguably the best basketballs of his career. Um 
Where do you think the Lakers are at right now in terms of where they stack up at the West? Because right now, obviously, my Warriors sit at 13-13. and 13. Mavericks have been disappointed. I mean, there's a lot of... A lot of shrug, you know, in the in the in the West. What, what's your take on the Lakers? What's a that? A lot of hodgepodge in the West. Yeah, no, there is. It's you know, there's no team that has impressed me in the Western conferences of yet. Everybody's just kind of jumbled up together. So Lakers have a a good chance as any to to be able to you know make the top six and not be in the um the the play-in tournament. But it all comes down to Rob Palenka. That's, you know, I've seen I've seen good things out of Darvin Ham. He still has a lot of work to do. You know, he's still a, a rookie coach and makes mistakes. But the players love him. The players play for him. But Rob Palenka is the problem. You know, he is so scared to make a deal, Bryson. He's so scared to get it wrong that he's waiting and waiting and waiting for the perfect deal. There is no perfect deal. There's a deal that you can be able to make to better your team because the longer you wait is the more inconsistent this team plays. They're already 10 and 14. They're playing, they're playing the Sixers tonight. That's not going to be an easy game. No. So if they lose that game, they're not five games back under 500. And now you gotta crawl, you know, you gotta crawl yourself out of the hole again. So there's not much time that he can, you know, wait on pulling a deal. Whether you're going to make a small move and package off, um, you know, Pat Dev and and uh, and Kendrick Nunn to get somebody, or you're going to make the big nuclear deal and trade Russell Westbrook and get something else. So you know they have to do something as good as Russ played. I think what it does now it gives teams around the league confidence that they can be able to trade for a guy, have him come off the bench. He can he can flourish with their second unit and also you know, possibly have us have another contract after this. So, you know, the Lakers kind of lucked out with what's playing well with the second unit. Um, and it, it allows them to to have some flexibility with the trade. But what is Rob going to do? That's the question. That's the big question. So yes. I, I really don't know what to make of the Lakers. Honestly, I don't. <laughs> you it's, know, no, it's, Lonnie, it's hard. Yeah. Lonnie Walker has been fabulous. Oh, he has. Um, you know, but the problem with the Lakers is that you're going to lose Lonnie Walker. You're going to lose him because yeah. he's playing so well. Some team is going to give him a big contract. You know, yeah. you have to pay Austin Reeves because you didn't give him a three-year deal. You gave him a two-year deal. It's the same thing that you, you know, they, they keep making these mistakes in regards to their, their unsigned, undrafted rookies. You got to give them three years. Don't give them two years. You know, talk to your free agents and say, hey, we're, we need to, take back a little bit of money so we can be able to give to the young boy. And I'm sure that they would understand that, but they're not doing that. So Rob Palenka has made a mess of this entire roster. And it's only by the grace of the basketball guys that they're actually 10 and 14. Okay. Round two, name something that's not boring. A laundry. Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, oh. Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. So it's not it's not his doing. It's the players. Absolutely. We got a few comments here. Uh, 
Alfred says, Russ off the bench was a good move. Reminiscent of Manu Ginobili in his heyday with the Spurs. Uh, he's certainly a better fit coming off the bench. It's a good Don't change of pace. Never mention Russ and Manu Ginobili in the yeah, same. Well, no, Manu Ginobili is a four. How many? Did he win four? Three? Yeah, three or four. Yeah, he's a Hall of Famer. I mean, Russ is going to be a Hall of Famer too, but did you? Yeah, yeah. And he also says Utah Jazz has surprised me in the West. I don't want to talk about that game Wednesday night. That 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 was oh god. Uh, let's let's change this the subject. I want I see your other comment about Lori Market, and I don't want to talk about the Jazz. It's too painful for me after what happened on Wednesday night. I don't want to talk about it. Uh, John John calls Rob Palink a little shot, Rob, yeah. uh, in reference to uh, uh, obviously Big Shot Bob. So, I mean, and and, and in terms of. The Eastern Conference, I think there's two teams, heck, just in the NBA that have separated themselves, that being the Celtics and the Bucks. Uh, Jason Tatum, to me, is the front runner for MVP. I He's agree. playing out of his mind right now. Um, I think Luka's still in that discussion. Luka was my preseason pick. But in terms of what Tatum is bringing them on, on, on both sides uh, of, of the floor, and listen, we, we got to give credit to to the young coach uh, of the Celtics being able to replace Ime Odoka um, and do the job that he did, you know, kind of taking over that culture uh, and putting the Celtics in position to possibly have the best record in basketball. What sort of your take on Boston, Milwaukee? Do you think there is a, a sizable gap between the two, or do you think it's going to be those two down to the wire in the East? Yeah, I think the Celtics are hands down the best team in the NBA. Uh, and the reason why is because there's – there's normalcy with them. There's no, there was no changes. Obviously, maybe Doka had to step down, but the the coaching staff is the same. The poly, yeah. the, the philosophy is the same. Everything, the, nothing changed for them. You know what I mean? Obviously, that that's a big time leader that you're missing. But those assistant coaches put in a lot of work as well. So you're seeing the fruits of their labor in regards to how good they're playing. Um, you know, Ma- Malcolm Brogdon. Oh. I, I knew that when they got him, yes. that was going to be a problem. Yep. And I think a lot of people around the NBA, even people who, who follow the NBA or who are analysts or pundits or whatever it is, they kind of they, they kind of didn't speak about that move a lot because why? Brogdon was often hurt. But right. let's keep it real. Brogdon was still can, – can we imagine if Brogdon was still a buck? Oh, my gosh. And yeah, they that, did clear in a way favors to be the particular defensive lineup that they would put out there with 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 you know uh uh, uh Brooke Lopez and Giannis and Middleton and come on now Bobby like, Portis know, yeah Bobby Portis so you know Brogdon fits right in with that culture they're a nasty team they're nasty defensively they can shoot the outside shot you know they, they would have been even better if Danilo didn't hurt himself. So, right. you know, th- th- this team is built to win a championship. I don't know what teams are going to be able to stand in their way. Honestly, the Bucks are good. Yes, the Bucks are solid. The Bucks are, you know, they're an institution in the Eastern Conference. But I think the Celtics are just, they're just hands down the best team in the league. It's not even close. It's not even close. No, I, I agree with you. Uh I, I do think, listen, it's, it's a long NBA season. It's going to correct itself. But we're, we're going to start to see some teams in the West. I, I think teams like Golden State and Memphis are going to get their act together. I think Dallas – remember, Dallas got hot the second half of last season. Uh, so I, I have no reason to believe that this year won't be the same, although they are missing Jalen Brunson, who's played pretty well for the New York Knicks this year. Um, right. I think it's, in terms of, again, both sides of the floor, Jalen Brown, by the way, is – is listen, if he's not an all-star this year, like, I, I don't know if the guy's ever going to make it because of how, how well he's playing. Um, and by the way – yeah, you mentioned Danilo Gallinari, and that's obviously a significant loss. They still don't have Robert Williams back. So bringing right. back a, a guy who blocks three shots a game, that is going to be a massive get for them. And, and it, 
they're they're going to be, you know, last year in the playoffs, it was never whether they could score, whether they could obviously get stops to the defensive end. Turnovers killed them. So if, yeah. they, if they clean that up, that is a hard, hard out. Um, yeah. uh, let, let's see a few comments here before we let you out of here, Barry. Uh, let's see. Uh, Alfred says uh, Celtics hands down with an interim coach deserve a lot of credit. Uh, he said for those players to play under two head coaches in two seasons, keep up the same level of play is amazing. And he says, uh, uh, Brogdon is the only 10 point per game rookie of the year in history. Yeah, I remember that. Uh, I thought Embiid should have gotten it that year, even though he didn't play that many games. But uh, uh, Brogdon has obviously been a, a great X factor for for the Boston Celtics. So uh, I'm proud of you. You came on the show. You paid, you paid the bet. Uh, obviously, it, it's funny that you're on the show today because – Recently, I got a little something, something in the mail that reminded me of the last bet you lost. Take a look at this bad boy. Look at, look at that for the audience. Come on, baby. Come on now. Look at this. That's all right. You ain't getting no. You ain't getting another one this year. You know, you want to place a bet on that? We'll be betting. We'll be betting. <laughs> I mean, I'm serious. I don't know. I don't know, man. We have to think about it. But I can guarantee. I can guarantee you guys not getting another. One. We get. It. Back to back, second time. That's what we do. So we do in Golden State. We're gonna get this thing correct, well, right? Let me shut my mouth, because I'm a. There's times where I'm a jinx, so I'm gonna just shut up. I'm gonna just okay, shut I got up. the best player in the world. Okay, I, 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 I'm, I'm gonna make. We're gonna we, yeah, we gonna make it. Happen. That's fair. That's what I'm saying. All right, Barry Grant Jr. Before we get out of here, for those that are living under a rock, tell tell people where to find your show. Yes, for those that are living on Mars, uh, you can catch my show on YouTube. Um, you know, I'm on Instagram, Twitter at All Even Podcast. Um, you know, my show comes out sometimes Saturdays, sometimes Sundays, you know, depending on, um, you know, my busy schedule with my crazy son. Um, but uh, but yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. This 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 week's show has a lot of content coming. So, you know, I, I you know me, you know, I like to play the villain card, man. So it, it's going to be very interesting. Um, going to be a lot of fun, though. So, you know, definitely look out for that. Um, so yeah, pretty much. I'm proud of you, buddy. I'm <laughs> well, proud of you. you. Well, thank you. Uh, thank you. All right, Barry Grant Jr. All even podcast. Have a good one, man. All right, man. Yes, sir. That was Barry Grant Jr. Oh, whoops. Here we go. That was Barry Grant Jr. The all even podcast joining, carving it up live. Get myself on the solo screen. There we go. Yep. Listen, the bill came due and he paid it. And the, my favorite comment all show is from our guy, Alfred Parsar Jr. Long live the grid. Absolutely. Check out Alfred's show too. Rocket Fuel Jets podcast on the grid. Barry's show, all even podcast. That is on the grid. So listen, we, we've got all kinds of content on there. Uh, that was one of my favorite segments that we've done this year. No doubt about it. Southern Barry. I never thought I'd, 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 I'd hear it. I was getting very, very nervous. It's very detailed. But we got it. Okay, we, we got Southern Barry. Hopefully New York Bryson doesn't come uh, into the fray anytime soon. I don't think you guys want to hear that. It's, it's quite quite the disaster. But look, at the end of the day, uh, he did a good job. He 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 you know he he paid his due, and we'll see what happens next time. I, I, probably our next bet is going to be uh, I- involving this year's NBA champion. But uh, it's gonna be fun. It's gonna be fun. All right, we're winning the title this year. I don't care what anybody says. They said we couldn't do it last year. We're going back to back this year. Make no mistake about it. So, it is week 14 in the NFL season. We got some dandies on the slate for Sunday. So, let's get this thing started right now. Before we get into any of the games, let me go ahead and show off my 13 record as well as my overall record. 11-3-1, obviously the one tie being between the Washington Commanders and the New York Giants. 
Obviously a tough loss or a tough tie in that regard. So two ties in the season. If you include last night's game where I obviously picked the Raiders, 122, 72, and two, a lot of twos with a 622 winning percentage for me this season. So we're going to start with the biggest spread in the history of, I'm sorry, the history, the entire 2022 NFL season. The Houston Texans come to Dallas to play the Cowboys. The Cowboys are favored minus 17 and a half, which breaks the record this season held by the Chiefs for the biggest spread. Chiefs were favored by 15 to beat the Los Angeles Rams. Cowboys favored by 17 to beat a team in Houston. That is just really right now. Um, credit to them. They play teams close this season. You know, teams like, say, the, the Chargers to put up a decent fight against Tennessee. Sup, excuse me, solid playoff teams that they fought with. But at the end of the day, they still have the playmakers. Brandon Cooks is out this week. Davis Mills is going to start at quarterback once again for the Houston Texans. Uh, ex expect that to be a, a turnover fest. He's thrown 11 picks this year. I, I liked Davis Mills uh, out of college, but he, I, I can't I can't say I've liked what I've seen this season from him. Uh, obviously, Dallas coming in off of a dominant fourth quarter against the Indianapolis Colts, putting up 33 unanswered. Cowboys look to be fully healthy this week. Barry brought up, and it's true, they look to be, get, uh, be getting James Washington back. So, no Odo Beckham Jr., no wide receiver enforcements from, reinforcements from him, but they are getting one from a guy that was already in the building, James Washington, who will play his first First game as a Cowboy on Sunday. Dak Prescott's playing unbelievable since he came back. He is leading the Cowboys to easily the best offense in the NFL. They are first in points with 37 a game. So he's balling out right now. He's doing this thing. Tony Pollard, Ezekiel Elliott, the running game has been fantastic. Possibly Tyler, uh, uh, Tyler Smith. Tyron Smith could possibly be back in the lineup. They'll probably move Tyler Smith to left guard. So we'll see what happens. That'll be at least interesting to see how they stack up against that Houston Texans front uh, four. Uh, but don't expect this game to be particularly close. Maybe after the first quarter. But Dallas will roll 45 to 17. Yeah, this this isn't going to be this isn't going to be a contest. Cowboys win this game 45 to 17. If they lose this game, I don't want to hear jack about the Cowboys being Super Bowl contenders. Okay, that's how confident I am that Dallas is going to win. 45 to 17 Cowboys over the Texans. A really interesting game. Two AFC East foes: the New York Jets, the Buffalo Bills. Bills big favorites in this game, minus 10. So back-to-back -back games thus far in our predictions with double-digit favorites. Here's what I'm looking at for the Buffalo Bills as of right now. Uh, they seem to have sort of got their season back on track. You know, with that big win against the Browns, followed by the Thanksgiving W against the Detroit Lions. But still, from what I'm seeing this season for the Buffalo Bills, by, uh, by the way, an impressive win last week against the New England Patriots in terms of getting their running game going. But here's what I'm looking at. The Jets obviously beat the Bills earlier this season. With Zach Wilson, this time they're going to get Mike White as starting quarterback. By the way, Mike White's last start of the 2021 NFL season was against the same Buffalo Bills. He threw a grand total of four interceptions and is the very reason that Zach Wilson got his job back. So a little bit of a revenge factor uh, with, with, with the Jets. Here was the issue for the Jets last week against the Vikings. They could not convert in the red zone. They got there a lot. They kicked a lot of field goals. So expect some adjustments from Robert Sala and that offensive coaching staff for the New York Jets. Expect Mike White to have a bounce back game. Obviously, is he limited? Yes. But he has a better command of the offense than Zach Wilson ever did. Uh, and listen, you obviously have Garrett Wilson at wide receiver. You have a solid running game. And that defense is still playing very, very well. So... I thought about making this my, if I were a Batman game, I decided against it just because it's so big of a spread. I'm going to take the Bills to win 26 to 23, but 10 points feels like a lot. It feels like a lot 
for a Bills team that's coming in. Again, still not quite playing their best football after they beat the Kansas City Chiefs all the way back in week six. Still haven't looked the same quite since. Uh, we'll see if they can develop a consistent run game against a dominant front four, front seven really, of the New York Jets led by Quentin Williams, one of my new favorite uh, players in the NFL. I love that guy. It is now time for Bryson's Bleak Bets. It's one game every week that I have absolutely no confidence in predicting, but we got to predict all the games this season. By the way, it is worth mentioning, I actually have a winning record. I'm 7-6 and six on Bryson's Bleak Bets, so I hope to improve that this week. And it involves, it involves one of the most mind-boggling situations in the NFL. One of the most mind-boggling stats in the NFL. It's... Cleveland Browns and it's the Cincinnati Bengals. Joe Burrow in his career against Patrick Mahomes, Andy Reid, and those big bad Kansas City Chiefs is 3-0. Against the Cleveland Browns, Joe Burrow is 0-4. With Baker Mayfield at quarterback, which Kobe Reset at quarterback, and now a Deshaun Watson who has not has played one football game in the last 707 days by the time this game's kicked off. Obviously, Deshaun was awful against the Houston Texans, which I guess was to be expected considering he hadn't played in uh, almost two full seasons. Um, I don't expect this to be any better because, first of all, this Bengals team gave, gave uh, uh, I'm sorry, this yeah, that Bengals defensive line gave Patrick Mahomes all sorts of problems in terms of getting pressure on him. Obviously, Mahomes is mobile. Deshaun is mobile. Uh, but listen, they still got to patch Mahomes, made it tough on him. And so expect Deshaun to maybe force a few footballs. But again, going against history is not something that I, I do all that often on this show. The Bengals are five and a half point favorites. I'm going to hesitantly go with the Bengals. I never thought I'd say that. 27 to 17 over the Cleveland Browns. I, listen, you're, you're telling me after a win against the Kansas City Chiefs that I, I can't go with. The, uh, I'm sorry, the Cincinnati Bengals. I, listen, they're eight and four. They're playing outstanding football right now. I, I can't. I can't bet against Joe Burrow. I, I can't. Oh, and five against the Browns. That that can't happen. Maybe the Bengals and Bryce will bet to win twenty-seven to seventeen over the Cleveland Browns. Moving on to again, these lines this week are incredible. You've got the Minnesota Vikings. You've got the Detroit Lions. Two NFC North foes. Now. The Lions are favored minus two. I don't think I've ever seen a situation in the history of the NFL where a double-digit win team, week 14, plays a team with half the wins that they do, and they're underdogs. I've never seen that before in my life. Maybe I'm sure it's happened before. Okay, we, we, we've been doing, I don't know how long NFL gambling's been going on. Uh, I guess 50 years or so, Super Bowl era, I'm not certain. But I, I've never seen this. So, Minnesota's coming in, right? We all know the explosiveness they have on offense with guys like Jefferson, guys like uh, Thielen. They can run the football with Dalvin Cook and, and, and Alexander Madison. And Irv Smith is a good tight end, along with, obviously, T.J. Hawkinson, who still hasn't quite built the rapport with Kirk Cousins, but expect it to happen in this game. And expect a lot of points in this game. Because Detroit is one of the worst pass defenses in the NFL, and the Vikings are the worst pass defense in the NFL. Both secondaries have struggled mightily. Jared Goff is playing pretty well right now. Amon St. Brown is doing his thing, proving that he is the most underrated receiver in football, in my estimation, when you talk about the production, the consistency, the numbers that he puts on, uh, on the board every single week. Uh, DeAndre Swift has done his thing. Jamal Williams leading the NFL in rushing touchdowns. Folks, it's going to be a lot of points. Expect that. But I'm looking at this Lions team, and I, I, I get it. I get it. It's the fighting Dan Campbells. You know, I don't think they're great situationally. That's the only thing that concerns me. 
I'm going to roll with the Lions. I'm going to roll with the Lions. I think they cover. They're two-point favorites. I think they win this game 44 to 38. Yes. It's going to be like a Big 12 game. We're going to see a lot of points. It's appropriate because I, I, I've called the Minnesota Vikings the TCU of the NFL. Well, TCU plays the Big 12. Expect a lot of points in this matchup in the Motor City at Ford Field. Lions, Vikings, there's going to be a lot of points in this one. Bad defenses in terms of uh, in the secondary and explosive offenses with the quarterbacks and with the weapons and with the running games and offensive lines. A lot of points. Give me the Lions to win this game 44 to 38. Moving on to another divisional matchup. The Jacksonville Jaguars going to Nashville to take on the Tennessee Titans. Tennessee favored at minus three and a half in this game. And it is this week's edition of... What are I betting, man? Tyra betting, man. I'm looking at the Tennessee Titans right now. And I see that they've lost two consecutive games. Right? But I look at Jacksonville coming in at 4-8. And even worse, Trevor Lawrence is hurt. This was their very first blowout loss of the season last week against the team I just mentioned, the Detroit Lions. They lost 44-18. I'm sorry, 40-18 and lost their starting quarterback, Trevor Lawrence. It's dicey as to whether he'll play. He hasn't practiced for most of the week, so my guess is he doesn't go. With the Titans defense, and again, I call it the embarrassment factor, the embarrassment theory in the NFL. When you get humiliated, whether it be a national TV game or if you're playing a very good football team to an elite team, the Philadelphia to qualify as just that last week, Tennessee got embarrassed on national television. Home game for the Titans. I think they show up and show out against a Jaguars team that is really reeling right now. Give me the Tennessee Titans. If I were a betting man, I am jumping all over the spread. Minus three and a half, 24 to 10. They beat the Jacksonville Jaguars. Again, back-to-back -back weeks for the Jags do not have a close loss. Again, I see the majority of their 11 losses that I predict. This will not be one of them. Give me the Titans, 24 to 10. If I were a betting man, I'd bet the Lions. I'm sorry, I'd bet the Titans. Minus three and a half. In another divisional matchup. And this is a big one. This one has major playoff ramifications. Philadelphia Eagles and the New York Giants. Eagles are favored at minus seven in East Rutherford, New Jersey. So you look at the Giants. They're coming off of that tie, obviously, against the Washington Commanders. Daniel Jones has not played well in the last three games, be it against teams like uh, the Lions, the Cowboys, uh, and then last week, obviously, against the Commanders. Daniel Jones has not played well whatsoever. He's turned the football over. He's been a little erratic. Um, and, and, and again, Saquon Barkley is, is questionable to play in this game. So you've got the injury concern. You've got a Giants defense that's playing as well as it possibly could. But when you don't have an offense that can back you up, that's an issue. A lot of people put this game sort of on upset alert because Philadelphia is on the road, sure. But they know they're better than the Giants by a, a pretty comfortable margin. They know that they're in a position where they just be a very good football team badly, that being the Tennessee Titans. And so, excuse me, maybe they underestimate the Giants. The Giants are sort of in a desperation type, you know, win now situation where they lose this one and their playoff chances are absolutely in jeopardy. We have teams in the NFC competing for wildcard spots like the Seahawks, like the aforementioned Commanders. This is a big game for the New York Giants, but I, I think at the end of the day, talent wins out. Dayville maybe coaches them to keep it close for a while, but I think eventually Jalen Hurts does his thing. He's, he's played remarkable this season. The Giants secondary has really struggled since the, since the loss of James Bradbury this offseason. And he goes back to New York to play his old team, by the way. Give me the Eagles to win this game and cover the seven points spread at 31 to 17 over the New York Giants. Eagles win 31 to 17 and go to 12 and 1. Okay. Philadelphia is in a position where just don't lose any other games except maybe the Dallas game. 
and you've got the number one seed. That, that, that's all Philly's got to worry about. Just don't lose, don't lose to anybody outside of Dallas, and you're good. And Philadelphia get the number one seed in the first round by in the playoffs, and we'll see what we'll see. Moving on to, guess it, another divisional game. And this is an interesting one. The Baltimore Ravens going to Pittsburgh to take on the Steelers. What do we know about Ravens-Steelers game? They're always close. They're always physical. And there's, listen, you got two great coaches. Two coaches that are going to be in the Hall of Fame one day in Mike Tomlin and John Harbaugh. Both have won a Super Bowl. Both have done a great job with the quarterbacks that they've been given. In this case, you got two Hall of coaches with two kind of limited quarterbacks. You got John Harbaugh coming in, Tyler Huntley making his first start of the NFL season for the injured Lamar Jackson, and obviously Kenny Pickett starting for the Pittsburgh Steelers, helping them get to, to, to win their last two games, teams like the Colts and the uh, last week is the Atlanta Falcons. So Pittsburgh's in a position where their playoff hopes aren't dead. Right? They're five and seven, they can get to six and seven. They still have an outside shot. And so they're sitting there. Obviously, Mike Tomlin's never had a losing season in his NFL career. Both offenses have struggled mightily. But when I sit and look at the Baltimore Ravens, I'm concerned for this team without Lamar. First of all, they didn't win a game without Lamar last year. He missed the last five games. They lost all five. One of those actually being to the Pittsburgh Steelers. So coming to Pittsburgh with an offense that had three points until there were 30 seconds left in the game last week. Albeit, Broncos defense is great. They carried him at this point this season. But three points, no number one receiver. There's only so much Mark Andrews can do as a tight end in this league. Ravens got a solid offensive line, but the running game has struggled a bit. I think Tyler Huntley's going to struggle. I think this Pittsburgh Steelers defense, a very opportunistic defense, is going to play spirited. The home crowd's going to be into it. This is a big, big rivalry game. One of the best rivalries in the NFL, without a question. Give me the Pittsburgh Steelers to win this game and cover the two-point spread, 20-13 to 13 over the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, again, this obviously putting a big, big dent into Baltimore's playoff chances because of the fact that I think Cincinnati is going to win which would then put them at 9-4. and four. Ravens dropped to 8-5. and five. Uh, That would put the Ravens as a wildcard team with their quarterback hurt. And it gives the Steelers a shot. Listen, if the Jets lose to the Bills, Steelers are still alive. Mike Tomlin, never had a losing season, still alive. Don't bet against that guy. Moving on to the afternoon slate of games, and it is, yes, you guessed it, another divisional game. And this one is way more lopsided than the one that I just discussed. Kansas City Chiefs, Going to Denver to take on the Let's Ride Denver Broncos. Now, Denver this season. You want a fun Broncos stat? I got you. Denver this season has had two games. Two, they put 12. Two games in which they've scored two touchdowns. Yep. Two games in which they scored two touchdowns. In other words, the offense is done. Russell Wilson deserves a boatload of blame. Nathaniel Hackett also deserves a boatload of blame. If it were up to Denver, both would be gone next year. The problem is they signed Russell Wilson to a quarter-billion-dollar contract. They're stuck, at least until 2026. Uh, this Broncos team against the Ravens defense that's been up and down, kind of a roller coaster, scored a grand total of nine points. Couldn't convert in the red zone. Couldn't move the ball down the field, and they absolutely had to. Excuse me. They have no running game. And so, listen, I know they're at home. But Kansas City has not lost to Denver since Peyton Manning was, was quarterback in the Broncos all the way back in week two of 2015. The Chiefs have won 14 straight games against the Denver Broncos. So Kansas City coming in, I get their nine-and-a-half-point favorite. Maybe some people might, might want to take Denver the points because Denver's played a few close games here and there. I, I, I don't see it. Give me the Chiefs to win this one easily. 
27 to 10. I'm giving the Chiefs only 27 just because Denver's defense has played outstanding this season. If, if, if the Broncos' offense were competent, Denver would be in the playoffs easily and still give Kansas City a run for the division. This would be a big game. But it got flexed out of Sunday Night Football to a game that I'll talk about later in the show. Give me the Chiefs to win this game 27-10 over the Denver Broncos. Might be close for a while because Denver's got such, uh, such a good defense. But uh, I'm rolling with the Chiefs. 27-10, and they keep pace in that AFC to possibly get the number one seed. Moving on to America's Game of the Week on Fox. This could be a big one. This is one a lot of eyeballs going to be in this game. Tampa Bay Buccaneers going to San Francisco to take on the San Francisco 49ers. A lot of storylines in this game. First one being that the starting quarterback for the San Francisco 49ers, every day of his life, Tom Brady has been in the NFL. Every day that Brock Purdy has existed, Tom Brady has been in the NFL. Okay, so we're starting to get, it's one of those games, right? Young quarterback facing Tom Brady. But I, I, I've seen a lot of shade thrown Brock Purdy's way this week, and I don't like it. I don't like it because Brock Purdy played a lot of football at Iowa State, played well for Iowa State last season. You saw what the Cyclones were this year without him. He was Mr. Irrelevant this season. You know, his last pick in the NFL draft. And look, how have the San Francisco 49ers with Jimmy Garoppolo, who's obviously out with a foot injury, how have they won playoff games? With Jimmy Garoppolo being as little a factor as possible. Because when he, when you rely on Jimmy G, it's bad. His fourth, you see his fourth quarter numbers, we won't get into those today, but they're not very good. So you look at a Niners team with all the playmakers. Debo Samuel's healthy, as is Christian McCaffrey, as is George Kittle, as is Trent Williams. So all the guys who have injury concerns are all healthy, all ready to go. And this is a Niners team that has uh, played outstanding football this season. Being 8-4, and four, the number one defense in the NFL this season. They've given up a grand total of seven points in the second half in their last five games. That's how dominant that they have been. A, a high-flying Dolphins offense came into Santa Clara last week and scored a touchdown in the second half. That was all they got. Nick Bose is playing outstanding football. You guys know I love that Hufunga kid, the safety. You've got guys like uh, uh, Fred Warner, who's one of the top linebackers in the sport. Trust me, Kyle Shanahan will cut a great game plan together for Brock Purdy to put him in position. By the way, he made some good throws last week. In his defense, he made great throws last week against the Miami Dolphins. Obviously, the Bucs have a better defense than the Dolphins. But with an offense that is 27th in points, facing a Niners offense that is first in terms of points given up, that is a bad combination. Give me the San Francisco 49ers to cover the spread. That is three and a half. Niners favor minus three and a half. I think they win this one 23 to 14 over the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. You guys know Tampa's the most dangerous team in the NFC, but uh, this is a bad, bad week to face the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, much better if they face them in the playoffs because you could possibly have uh, you know, injuries. You could have, there's all kinds of circumstances. Give me the Buccaneers. I'm sorry, give me the 49ers to beat the Buccaneers 23 to 14 in this game. And the Bucs will fall right back down to 500, under 500, which is why that win over the Saints was so big. Moving on to the next game, you got the Carolina Panthers on the road off of a bye week going to Seattle to take on the Seahawks. Uh, this is this is interesting. Seattle favored by only minus three and a half. Now, what I'm looking at this game is Carolina has yet to win a road game this season. Carolina also has yet to win back-to-back -back games this season. They obviously have the playmakers. DJ Moore is a solid uh, number one option for them. The defense has played well enough. But again, against the Seattle Seahawks team, Geno Smith yet led yet another fourth quarter comeback drive. 
This one being against the Los Angeles Rams on the road in the City of Angels. Uh, Kenneth Walker's playing great. Tyler Lockett's arguably having the, having the best season of his career. Pete Carroll's still in the running for Coach of the Year. I think we can talk about in terms of the balance that Seattle has in throwing the football and running the football, as well as the great defense they play, the offensive line to me. In the NFL this season, there's not many units in football that have improved as much as the Seattle Seahawks offensive line from last year to this year. It's night and day. A lot of that was hitting a lot of players in the draft. A lot of that's coaching. So props to Pete Carroll what the Seahawks have done. Uh, three and a half feels a little bit disrespectful of Seattle, especially for a team in Carolina that's got Sam Darnold at quarterback. That is, you know, has yet to win back-to-back -back games this year and has yet to win a road game. You're telling me their first road win is going to be at Seattle in that environment? Not a chance. Give me the Seattle Seahawks to win this game. 28-17 to over the Carolina Panthers to get to 8-5 and and setting up what will be a big matchup on Thursday night football against the San Francisco 49ers in Seattle, in that hostile environment. I will be very, very excited to see how that one plays out. It is now time for, in the last game, our upset of the week. Give me the Los Angeles Chargers to beat the Miami Dolphins 30-24 to in LA on Sunday Night Football. Miami, a three-point favorite. Give me the Chargers, not just the points. Don't, I don't care about the points. They're going to win the game straight up. Here's why. So, you guys know I talked about on Monday's show. About, or, yeah, I talked about Monday's show, and I've talked about it for about a week now. I'm still not sold on Tua Tungavailoa as a franchise quarterback. I've been very clear about that this season. It's easy to put up big numbers when you're facing terrible defenses, like the Bears and the Texans and the Lions. It's easy to put up big numbers then, especially when you got Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddle, and Mike Gusecki. By the way, that Sherfield kid is a nice player. It's different when you go last week against the best defense in football, and we saw what Tua was. He was not very good. He had three turnovers in the second half, and outside of one drive, could not move the ball down the field. And so, going in, into Los Angeles, I've talked about the embarrassment theory. There's also the desperate theory. And that is where the Chargers are at right now, folks. They're 6-6. Six and six. They lost to the Las Vegas Raiders. You saw the Raiders last night blew a 16-3 lead to Baker Mayfield on the road. Chargers are going to be at home. Good chance there's going to be more Dolphins fans than Chargers fans. Why? Because the, 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 the Los Angeles Chargers don't really have a fan base, with all due respect. Justin Herbert is still playing good football this year. And this is, listen, this is this is the hyped-up game. It's the fifth overall pick in 2020, Tua Loa versus the sixth overall pick in 2020, Justin Herbert. You guys know I have been a Herbert guy since day one on the show for the last two and a half years. I said he'd be the best quarterback coming out of that draft. That has obviously proven to be Joe Burrow, but Justin Herbert has more than held his into the bargain in terms of at least keeping himself with an opportunity, giving himself an opportunity to be in that discussion. Two has not. One season does not make you as Barry Grant Jr. talked about on the show uh, earlier today. Mike Williams comes back from injury. That's a big, big gain for the Los Angeles Chargers. And keep in mind, this Miami defense against good offense this season has not played well. They've lost to, I mean, they lose to, they gave up, what was it, 42 to Baltimore? They've given up last week, uh, I think it was 20, was it 27, I think it was, to the San Francisco 49ers. This defense has struggled. Bradley Chubb has not lived up to what they thought he would be when they obviously got him uh, in that trade with the Denver Broncos. In my upset of the week, Sunday Night Football, I'm a Herbert guy, and I'm going to roll with Herbert. 30 to 24. 
I don't care about the points. I don't care about the three and a half point spread. Give me the Chargers to win this game straight up. Straight up. Give me the Chargers. It's going to be an interesting game this week. Okay. I was, I usually have a week, a uh, hope going into Friday's show that I have a, at least a chance to go undefeated in my picks. No chance of that happening this week, obviously, because I picked the Raiders. But a uh, very, very interesting slate of games that we've got uh, on tap. Let's see if there's anything going on uh, in, 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 the, in the NFL, Major League Baseball. Okay, so Adam Schefter, he always does his, his, uh, his tweet on Friday talking about players that are already out on Sunday. Uh, they include Hayden Hurst, Nico Collins, Brandon Cooks, Derek Stingley, Anthony Brown, Danico Autry, uh, Christian Fulton, David Long, Traylon Burks, Cortland Sutton, Reggie Gilliam, Jordan Phillips, and Jimmy Garoppolo. Okay, so all uh, definitely for, uh, for their teams, important players, uh, important losses, certainly for those teams not having those guys uh, be able to suit up for Sunday. And the games are certain on Sunday, by the way, are much better than they're going to be on Monday. I, I, I dread having to pick that game. In case you're wondering, it's, it's the New England Patriots and the Arizona Cardinals. Two quarterbacks I'm not high on. Two coaches that, frankly, I'm not high on. Two rosters that aren't great. It's not going to be fun. It is, it's not. I do not anticipate this being an instant classic. Let's put it that way. All right, that is all the time we have for today's show. Appreciate everybody stopping by as always. Thanks to Barry Grant Jr. of the All Even Podcast. Listen, he lost the bet with me about USC. All right? But by the way, make no mistake about it. Chargers are going to be back next year. Lincoln Riley's coming back. Caleb Williams is coming back. The best coach-quarterback combo easily in the country. It's going to be a problem. Uh, so, listen, USC is going to be back, but... I said they weren't gonna get they're gonna get in the playoff numerous times under Lincoln Riley. Just not year one. But the, I mean the fact that they were in the discussion literally until the last week is a credit to how good of a coach he is and how good of a quarterback that he has. And the recruiting is gonna help them uh, without a question. So thanks to Barry. I'm definitely gonna get that southern su southern uh clip onto YouTube and in all, all social media platforms. So definitely stay tuned for that. For those of you that missed it, uh, I am very sorry to hear that. And we'll get that on all social media platforms. So be sure to like, share, comment, and hit that big red subscribe button. Take two seconds out of your day. Subscribe to Carving It Up. Also hit the notification bell. Get a notification anytime that we go live, upload a video, upload a YouTube short, anything. And also be sure to subscribe to The Grid. That is right, the, the Grid Podcast Network, G-R-Y-D, The Grid Network, where I'm at, Barry's at, Alfred, you saw, he, he was commenting on the show from the Rocket Fuel Jets podcast. Check out that show. Check out Alfred on there. Patrick Brown, Chaotic Sports Podcast. Cowboys Cam Fan Podcast. Uh, you, you've got uh, Ryan Flowers on Clutch Sports Talk. Amazing content creators. Great shows. Please go check that stuff out on The Grid, which is also where you can listen to my show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, as well as wherever you listen to your podcast. We got a great weekend of sports. World Cup tomorrow. Definitely be watching France. And England, I am pulling for France because they helped us win the Revolutionary War. Thank you to France. All right, shout out to, 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 to those guys. Hope they win uh, the game against the uh, against England tomorrow morning. Definitely going to be keeping uh, paying attention to that. Uh, by the way, what a, what a match earlier today with Argentina. Wow. World Cup's been crazy. Have a great weekend, everybody. Enjoy your soccer. Enjoy football. Have a great weekend. Stay safe. God bless you all. Peace out. That's Southern Draw, baby. Thanks so much for watching the show on YouTube. Be sure to click that big red subscribe button and go check out the other clips and full shows of Carving It Up Live. Have a blessed day. Lucky Land Casino, asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? 
In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.